You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page? And thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 17 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Hardwick, joined by my brother, Robert Hardwick, hey. and also our favorite guest, John Wieger's back. Um, and we're excited because we are bringing you our first fantasy football episode. Um, we know not everybody's drafted yet. Some of you have or maybe have multiple leagues you're drafting. And we're bringing you our first fantasy football episode. We're going to go through some rankings. We're going to do some buy and sell and hopefully give you some tips to help you win your league. Yeah, and at this time, we're 14 days from the season starting, so it's about time we get to some fantasy talk. Absolutely. To start our fantasy football discussion, we thought we would go through and rank um, the position players. Uh, we, we know that you could go 20, 25 long. We decided we'd do top five for our quarterbacks. We'd start with the quarterbacks, um, a position that normally has the most importance on the field, but as you guys know with fantasy – not really your most important position. You get value all the way at the end of the draft. Give me your thoughts overall this year, the quarterback position. Do you think there's more value at the top end or the back end? Well, I, I really think it's top heavy. I mean, you look at the superstars that there are in this league. You look at building through the draft. It really takes one or two years for players to really come on. I think you got a lot of teams that are going to be looking at quarterbacks coming at this draft, as we talked about before. And so I really think you're looking at the top five to maybe eight players that are really going to make fantasy impacts for your team. Yeah, no, I know for me personally, like in a fantasy draft, when I'm considering drafting a quarterback, if I miss out on one of these guys we talk about here, or if they're, you know, their ADP, their average draft position is higher than I want to go for, I'm stuck getting a guy late at the end, which I'm really happy with because usually the separation from five to 15 isn't that much. Yeah, and for sure. I mean, you got players that you always can kind of count on minus injury, Matthew Stafford, talk about Big Ben, those types yep. of players that you can get maybe at the end of your drafts or picking them up in free agency, depending on how many teams there are in your draft. But I really think if you hit these top five, you're going to be a team that is a finalist in your fantasy football leagues. Absolutely. So number five for us this year for the for our fantasy purposes, Kyler Murray is going to be our number five guy out of Arizona. Really, it's it's the fact of volume here. You know, you have a talented quarterback who showed promise his rookie season, but in that system with his head coach and how much they move that ball around, John, why don't you talk a little bit about Kyler Murray and why we think he fits at a number five? Yeah, I mean, they definitely did a great job getting Hopkins in that great trade. He's got a ton of weapons. Old Larry Fitz sticking around for another year. Same coach, um, second year. They should be more comfortable with each other. I just – I think he easily makes a top five in my opinion. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's in the perfect situation for him with his skill set. And, again, I'm not a huge fan of the coach there, just of the things that happened in college. But Kyler Murray's athleticism, showing in baseball and things like that, I talked about him as an MVP candidate. I just think he's going to be dominant in Arizona. Yeah, one thing, if he can keep his turnovers down, you know, making sure that the possession's kept with the offense – they're in a division where it's competitive. Every game they're going to have to be in, they're going to have to compete with good offenses. And I think you mentioned with the athleticism, one common trend you're going to see with this top five list is athleticism with quarterbacks. Getting those extra points for the rushing yards or rushing touchdowns 
to go along with just high-flying offenses is a common trend. Yeah, and you talk about high-flying offenses. We'll move on, move on to number four here, and we're going to put Dak Prescott. After all the off-season publicity, the new contracts, all those types of things and not getting one, I'm putting him at number four just because of CeeDee Lamb and Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. There's too much on that offense to not put him in the top five. Your thoughts? Well, I think you just have to look to last season what he did. I mean, he was he was a top five quarterback. He he led the league in passing for most of the year until Jameis Winston uh, took over at the end of the season. But in terms of yardage, yardage and touchdowns, I mean, he's just he was a fantasy superstar last year for most of the season. Yeah, and your thoughts, John, on Dak Prescott being in your top five? Well, I'm actually surprised that he made the top five. I think I was a little bit more on the sell side with Dak Prescott. Um, great year. The team strengths have really stayed the same, if not improved, there's next year. But new head coach might be a little conservative to start with. You know, who knows with that. But, uh, yeah, I think he, in my opinion, he barely scares in the top five, probably more in that top eight category. Personally, for me, too, I look at the situation, and he got franchise tags. So he's making a bunch of money on this year. But he's also betting on himself that this next year he's going to play at the same level and earn that mega contract. Obviously not to what Patrick Mahomes got, but he's betting on himself. And when people do that more often than not, I mean, they're going to have a dangerous year. Yeah, and my only argument with the new head coaches, some of Aaron Rodgers' best years were with Mike McCarthy. And he's not a fan of running the ball historically. And so I think Dak Prescott's going to put up big numbers. He's going to have the field spread wide open. So as long as he's seeing the field clearly, then he's going to score. Yep, and I have no arguments with Dak Prescott coming in at four. And I think this next one might be a little bit more of a surprise to people. Uh, last year's MVP, Lamar Jackson, is coming in at number three for us. And we debated on this. Obviously, you couldn't go wrong with any of these guys on this list, but Lamar Jackson for number three. And I think in a large part for me to do for that is we don't think he's going to repeat as well as he did last year. He's going to be a very good quarterback. He's got that running threat for sure. The passing threat always is questionable there. And the lack of weapons to me is kind of concerning. Mark Andrews. And Hollywood Brown, great threats. But uh, the guys we have ahead of him is a reason why I think he falls in at number three for us. Yeah, I mean, I think especially even more so than Patrick Mahomes, teams are really going to be gunning for him. Individual players had to hear all all season how they couldn't keep up with Lamar Jackson, running them over, running around them. So I think he's really going to face an uphill battle. Yeah, and teams are going to study the last couple of years of playoffs tape that they have where he really fell apart. They have a really weak schedule. So Lamar Jackson's going to put up big numbers again, probably most of the season. But again, I think there's just a couple better other quarterbacks out there that are more consistent throughout the season. Now, let me ask you guys this. Is Lamar Jackson, for fantasy purposes, a first-round pick? Let's say, for our purposes, we're going to go with a 10-team half PPR league. So 10-team league, would you take Lamar Jackson in a first round and a first round? I know my answer. What do you guys think? I would say the three, the top three quarterbacks we have on this list would be worth a late first, but I think Lamar would probably be better in the second. Yep. Again, I, I'd go second round. I only think there's one quarterback in this that you truly take in the first round, and we'll talk about him coming up. But I think you can get Lamar Jackson maybe second, early third round. Yeah, and for me, the upside's there, of course, to have the number one quarterback in fantasy. I know I had, uh, I, I was the beneficiary of that last year, but. I'm, I'm not taking him in the first two rounds. That's just my philosophy with fantasy drafts. I want better position players in those two rounds and look for value late. But number two guy, now this is, was a little bit of a surprise, but we talked about this on length at the, on, the, on this podcast and how we expect Russell Wilson to have a great year and finally 
finally get into the discussion of the MVP. I know Robert was was really wanting to put him here, so I'll let him talk more about Wilson at number yeah, two. I mean, DK Metcalf, they got they got the offense now that he can really thrive around. And again, he's never got the respect he deserves as a top-tier quarterback in terms of MVP votes. And I think it's time that he really breaks through. I like Seattle, as we'll talk about in upcoming episodes, as maybe being a Super Bowl champion upcoming. And I think Russell Wilson is a big part of that throughout the whole season. Yeah, I mean, I think with him during the Legion of Boom days, um, he was still very talented, but I think they could rely on their defense a little bit more. So when that defense came apart, he was really allowed to just gunsling. So, yeah, I think every year now he's just going to be better and better. But again, you're looking at another running threat quarterback here who's going to pick up yards and he's going to be, you know, he's getting to the point where he's going to try to get those Super Bowls as much as he can with this team because there are the rumors that maybe eventually he can move away from Seattle. But it's the touchdowns to me with Russell Wilson that separates him from Lamar Jackson um, and Dak Prescott and, and Kyler Murray. It's year after year he's finishing in the top three. I think two years straight he was the number one in quarterback touchdowns. So what he might lack in maybe total yardage that other teams might have or our number one guy might have, he's going to get you that three touchdown average a game. And that right there is going to get you enough points to carry your team. Well, and I love what you talk about there, average. I mean, you're looking for consistency as part of your football team. Lamar Jackson's great. Dak Prescott's great. They're going to put up big weeks. But you're looking for week in, week out where you're getting 300 yards a game, two, three touchdowns. And in our opinion, Russell Wilson is going to be that guy. And again, this is to me, and I think you guys probably feel the same way, he's not a first-round pick in fantasy drafts. He's probably not a second-round guy for me either. You hope you can get him with the third or the fourth. People in your leagues are going to want Lamar over Russell. So hopefully you can get him in that fourth-round range, fifth-round range even. Yeah, and I think he's going to be a great steal for an end of second, beginning of third, if you're really quarterback needy. Again, it depends on what kind of league you're in. I mean, we're focusing on just what we do. But there's leagues where if you have an early first round pick and you pick up a couple guys that you really want, early third round, you could pick up a Russell Wilson, solidify that quarterback spot that we consider to be number two, and then you're set for the season. And I know, we'll just quickly mention this, there are those leagues out there, you might be in one, where it is a two quarterback league or a super flex league where you can play a quarterback in. And in that scenario, really any of these guys in the top five might be worthy of a first round pick for sure our top three guys. So just be wary of that. But for our purposes, like we said, we're going with a a 10-team, maybe 12-team half PPR with one quarterback. And it's just tough to think of how most people are going to draft Lamar Jackson, why you wouldn't be able to get Russell Wilson a couple rounds later and have a better overall structure. Yeah, and the one quarterback that we're going to talk about, everybody knows that you're going to want first round, especially if you have a two-quarterback league, is Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs, you look at what they did last year, Super Bowl champs. I mean, he puts up video game numbers. We're going to let John talk about him. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, (laughs) he kind of fell into my lap in my league. I got him pretty late. Um, It was rookie year. You know, he wasn't going to be the starter. They still had Alex Smith. And he's just been phenomenal. I mean, he got the money. So it'll be interesting to see now how his attitude and and, and gameplay goes with that huge paycheck. But there's no reason not to see him repeat, especially with um, all the guys they kept. Yeah, and we talk about Patrick Mahomes on a different level than these top five. He's already an all-time great, regardless of what his record is, what his stats are going to be. Nobody has the athleticism that Patrick Mahomes does, and he takes receivers and makes them great. And he has the same ability that, like a Brett Favre, John Elway, these receivers that maybe wouldn't have been stars in these other teams – 
and he takes him and elevates him to a next level. So they take McCole Hardman's and those types of players that would be good, but makes them into players that are going to be on your fantasy roster. Michael wants to talk about Patrick Mahomes a little bit more, and he might be able to give us some more insight of why you would take him in the first round. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's going to average over 25 points a game most likely, and that just doesn't happen with most of the other quarterbacks. Lamar, we saw it last year. Um, I just think he's the only one that you would probably consider doing on in the end of the first round, um, unless obviously you're a super fan of the Chiefs or Mahomes. But it, I think, you know, you'd be lucky to be one of those teams that have the 10th pick and then the first pick of the second round, and you'd be able to take him at the turn and be able to get – um, you know, one of the running backs we're going to talk about and then get Mahomes. But to me, it's you just have to be wary here of, let's say Patrick Mahomes averaged you about 27 points a game but what or a, a week. But what about a Russell Wilson if three rounds later getting you 24, 23? I think you can make up with that with getting a higher running back and, and yeah. making up that difference. And here's my only argument, Tori. If you're sitting six or seven, okay, you probably lost the first couple running backs in the draft, maybe the first wide receiver or two. It just depends on what your league does. Again, if it's PPR, if it's a standard league, you take Patrick Mahomes and minus the injury last year, he's consistently putting up 300-plus yards, three touchdowns, at times putting up 400 yards. And I understand your point of Russell Wilson later. There, there's absolutely players that you'll get later in the draft that will put up the same numbers, but will it be week in and week out? And in my opinion, the AFC West, as they're getting better – but there's still a pretty weak division, in my opinion, in terms of handling Patrick Mahomes defensively. So if you're sitting six, seven, eight, I would take a serious look at Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, we've said enough on Mahomes. He's if you can get him late first, mid first, depending on what your league looks like. Um, I mean, you should you should do it. You should really consider it. Um, but we want to each touch on one of our sleepers here for for all of our rankings here. We each picked one sleeper that we want to bring your attention to. I'll let Robert quick start with his. Um, since we're going to stay in the same division. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tyrod Taylor with the Chargers. Again, it's a transitional role for him, just like it has been in the past. But he's been in the league for 10 years, been with multiple teams, has the knowledge, and now he has the weapons and the coaching to go with it. So the Chargers are a strong team. They'd have been fine last year if Phillip Rivers wouldn't have turned over the damn ball all the time. So I think he's going to step in, and if you take him again as a flyer late, depending on how deep your league is, or a two-quarterback league, and you take him, he has the weapons to really get you through the first half of the season until maybe they move on to Justin Herbert. Now, I will point out, all of our sleepers are for the quarterback position are at least all guys who I would say you might not even need to draft these guys. These are definitely people you can get before week one on the waiver wire, and you can pick them all up as backups. So what we're saying is maybe you end up with the Staffords or the um, – the Ben Roethlisberger's late in a draft, the Phillip Rivers, but then you couple them with the Tyrod Taylors or like John's guy here just to provide maybe a little bit more upside as a backup than most teams might have. Yeah, and for my sleeper, um, definitely he will be available after the draft unless he has some diehard Panthers fans. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater, this maybe is a bit of a fairy tale story, but I definitely think, you know, after the horrific injury out of the Vikings, you know, you picked up by the Saints – he had a great, great few games games for them, and that's what you know led the Panthers to shell the a decent amount of money for him over three years. And uh, the fact that a first year coach, you know, went along with getting him, I definitely think they could surprise some people. You know, it's kind of a fresh slate for him. Um, nothing really riding on their team's chances, so I think he could surprise some people. Yeah, the weapons. And again, I think you're talking to a guy who's not going to be drafted in your leagues. Yep. But maybe take a flyer on, maybe see how week one goes, and try to get a waiver wire. Uh, pick up there. And for me, we've talked about this guy, and it's Drew Locke at Denver. 
Um, when you talk about just pure arm strength, there's very few that are in this category, and he's one of them. We saw at the end of the year last year, I know Robert was a beneficiary even of having some some Drew Locke on his team. And I just think going forward, Drew Locke's going to be in a position where they're going to have to throw quite a bit. They're going to be in shootouts with some teams. Um, and they're a young team with speed on their team. And we've talked – this last episode talked about how excited we are for Denver. I just think you watch for Drew Locke. He's going to have the up-and-down games. But what he might give you as a backup, as a late-round flyer – would just be those games where he's giving you 300 yards and three touchdowns, but be ready for the bad weeks. Yeah, and they're going to be playing from behind most of the time, all three of these quarterbacks that we're really looking at here. And so you're looking at what can they do in the first three quarters that can get you to the point when it becomes garbage time if they're losing, that they can give you fantasy value. And Drew Locke's a perfect example of that. He may throw two touchdowns in the fourth quarter that don't mean anything, but that offense is young and growing. So it's somebody, especially if you're in a dynasty league, that you want to pick up, trade for, and keep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Tyrod's case, he's going to be undefeated. So I don't think he'll ever need to worry about, you know, come from behind. Or you might be worried about Justin Herbert halfway through the season. <laughs> but that's our quarterback discussion. Again, just look at your league, understand what it is your league's going to going to give you for points and just watch your ADP or your draft values there. Uh, but we're going to move to running backs. And again, year in and year out, I say this all the time, running backs are your most important position. They're the ones that provide the most fantasy value to you. And again, if you're in a half PPR, full PPR, these rankings might change for you. We're going off of half PPR here. So, Robert, why don't you give us our number 10 guy, and we're just going to kind of run through these quicker um, and, and talk more about our sleepers. Yeah, there's not much to touch on with the running backs. Everybody kind of knows these names. There's really no new ones. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, though, is a new one with the Chiefs. And, again, if you're in a PPR league, he's going to step in there. Mahomes is going to throw to him. He's going to run the hell out of the ball. And so I think he's a good guy to look at that maybe will be overlooked. I think he's probably going to be, you know, a fourth, fifth round pick in there. And so I think it's a guy to look at at number 10 that we're talking about to keep in mind. Yep. And number nine, I'm just going to say we have Aaron Jones in here, a guy who had an incredible season last year, uh, was one of the was one of the leaders in touchdowns, total touchdowns for running backs. And I'm just going to say this, right? The number nine slot, we might as well just put it up to whoever the starting Green Bay running back is. Just you want shares of whatever the starter is for him, whether it's Jonathan Williams or Jamal Williams or maybe even A.J. Dillon at that point. But they're a team that's switching more to a ground-and-pound team with heavy touchdown totals. Yeah, and, and you got four guys there, Dexter Williams, A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams, and Aaron Jones there. And you got a coach that, through the Titans, ran a lot of different running backs, even though Derrick Henry is the main guy. I sell on Aaron Jones taking him. He had a great, great year last year with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to take a step back this year. Even though he's in a contract year and looking to go somewhere else, I really think you need to look elsewhere. Let him fall back. Somebody else take him and see how it goes out. A guy that you don't want to miss, number eight here, we're going to talk about Alvin Kamara. New Orleans, we're going to let John talk about him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, had a bit of a down year last year, so he might fall a little bit on that one. Um, Saints, who do they draft? For, do they draft any running backs? No, no yeah, running so backs. no real competition. Um their backup, uh, Latavius Murray. Murray. Yep, you'll probably get some carries, but you're still looking at their workhorse, Alvin Kamara. And I mean, they're going to win a lot of games the Saints this year, potentially get to the Super Bowl. So we do like him at number eight. Yeah, we definitely are buying on a bounce back season from Alvin Kamara. I think all of us can agree on that. I would say just watch out because the name value himself might have him going in the first round, and you just have to gauge that. Maybe a top wide receiver or a guy like Aaron Alvin Kamara. I'm going to take a, maybe a, a Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins over Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Kamara, to me, is more of a third-round pick if he falls to you there. Again, it's a great name value, but you're going to have people reaching for him because of it. 
Another guy people might reach for because of name value in a great year, Delvin Cook with the Vikings. Again, a great running back here, but it's kind of become a running back by committee just because of his backup. Michael's going to talk more about Delvin Cook. Yeah, the problem, obviously, as you know, as, as football fans, he, there's a potential for a holdout. He's trying to rework a contract, and, and rightfully so, he deserves it. He's the backbone of the Vikings offense. But you just have to be careful. We saw this last year, as many of you know, with Ezekiel Elliott, not knowing if he was going to be holding out or suspended. And people were wary. You had some people getting Del- or Ezekiel Elliott in the fourth rounds last year. I don't think that's going to be the case with Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook is a first-round talent, potentially a number one, number two, number three overall pick if you knew for sure he was going to step on the field and play. I would say if you have an end-of-first-round pick, it's still worth taking Dalvin Cook just because if he does play a full season, he's going to give you your value. You're going to get your return. Just be wary with those middle-round, first-round picks of getting Dalvin Cook because of that holdout situation. But if you get Dalvin Cook, invest in his backup. Yeah, and another first-round pick, maybe mid-first round that you would take, knowing what his health is going to be and production – is Josh Jacobs, we have at number six with Oakland, had a hell of a year last year as a rookie. Absolutely, missed and, two games yep, too. Until he got injured there. I mean, things were really looking up for Oakland. They had a pretty good year. I mean, they were trending towards a wild card position. We're going to let uh, John talk about Josh Jacobs for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and what's so great about him is through his play, they even renamed the teams. Now they're the Las Vegas Raiders, so it's pretty incredible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, great year. I mean, where did he get drafted? First round pick just last year. Yeah. So, I mean, not necessarily an unknown name, but no one, I think, really could say they foresaw the success that he was going to have. And he runs the hell out of the ball. I mean, they feed him, they feed him, they feed him. That's what John Gruden wants to do. I mean, then they want to open up for Derek Carr. But Josh Jacobs is going to get the minority or majority of the pick or rushes. Yep. And I think, you know, every time you draft again in the first round, you're hoping you get top five positional upside. And I think with Josh Jacobs, one thing you have to look at is he was improving as a pass catcher. Uh, towards the end of the year. And if you just have been following camps at all, John Gruden wants to get the ball in his hands more as a pass catcher. You need you need a running back to get you 50 catches a year to be a top five guy. Your McCaffrey's, your Barkley's. The only outlier there has been Derrick Henry year after year. But if Josh Jacobs can get to that 50 catches, he will be a top five running back. So I would invest in the first round towards the back end on Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and so top five running backs we're talking about. Now we're at number five. We're going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Not much needs to be said with him in Dallas. I mean, he's been a beast in the time he's been there. So I think a top five is fitting for him. We talked about him in the top three. I just think with that offense, the passing game there, I think he's going to take a little bit of a step back. Michael, what do you think? I think to end the conversation with Ezekiel Elliott, it's easy. You just say until he proves that he can't do it, you take him Mm -hmm. in the first round because he can do it. And he's going to give you those receptions like I talked about behind a good line. It is still his team, um, even though we think, you know, they carried both the top 10 running back and top 10 quarterback and top 10 real wide receiver last year. Yeah, and another guy that can do it we're going to talk about stepped up last year just like Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders with your Philadelphia Eagles. Why don't you give us the rundown on Miles Sanders? Well, quickly, I just want to mention here, like, yes, he's an all-around back. They have told him he's going to be the workhorse. He had a little injury issues last year, but I think as long as he's getting those workhorse minutes like or touches like Doug Peterson has said, He's going to provide absolute fantasy value. He broke the Eagles' uh, rookie record for all-purpose yards, and that's an indication of him doing it as both a running back and a, and a wide receiver. I would just mention, just because we have him at number four doesn't mean you should maybe draft him over Zeke or Josh Jacobs, but we just think by the end of the year, he could fall into that range of being a top-five guy, maybe number four like we're saying, and you'd try to get him end of first, early second, 
depending on your team structure. Yeah, and especially in a PPR league, you want to look for a guy who's like Miles Sanders, and you want to look for a guy like your next guy, Saquon Barkley. We're going to stay in the NFC East yep. with the last two guys. With the Giants, Saquon Barkley's been a beast since he's been there. The offensive line's a little questionable and new coaching at times. John, what do you think about Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I mean, great, great guy. Um, he had a bit of a down year with injuries a little bit, I think, this last year. Um, but there's no reason not to have a bounce back year. I think you see Daniel Jones, you know, gaining in confidence. So that will only help improve uh, his connection with Barkley. Yeah, I mean, Saquon Barkley, just because the down, down year last year should not um, push you away from drafting him in the first round. He's still going to be a top three pick, most likely top five pick for sure. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to get you your your position, your draft position. Yeah, back. and they have an offensive coordinator now that made Ezekiel Elliott what he is as a coach with the Cowboys. But we're going to move on. We know what Saquon is, and we're going to move to another guy that's a beast, Derrick Henry with the Titans. Yeah, and as long as Derrick Henry doesn't get you know riddled with injuries like he has and doesn't get worn down like you know just because of the usage, there's not a lot to talk about with Derrick Henry. He's going to get the touches. Uh, again, if you're in a half PPR, this is where you decide, do I go for a Barkley or an Elliott potentially over a Derrick Henry just because of the catchability? Um, but that's why our number one guy, Christian McCaffrey, gets in that position. We saw how stellar he was last year doing it both as a running back and as a wide receiver. So there's not much there's, – there's no really complaints on why we have Derrick Henry number two and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he does it all for the Panthers – and there's nothing to say with Teddy Bridgewater coming in that he won't be exactly the same that he is. I get the division's been a little tougher, but I think he's still going to be a beast in Carolina. So that is our top 10 running backs there. Again, you just look at your draft position and understand your league if it's a half PPR or standard league. But again, here's our sleepers, the part we're going to talk a little bit about. I'm going to turn it over to John to talk about his guy who is a rookie. So give me some information on your sleeper. Yeah, I'm going for Zach Moss, uh, draft by the Buffalo Bills out of Utah. I mean... Great running back. A lot of people, I think, are going to be buying pretty high on uh, his the guy in front of him, Singletary. But I definitely think Moss, if not end the season, is sharing carries. He'll definitely get, I think, a lot of a lot of um a lot of touches there. Yeah, it's a great pick. I mean, he's more of a Frank Gore 2.0 kind of what they talk about. Who's been in Buffalo, and he he's going to be a beast there. I don't know if he's going to have the career that. Frank Gore's had. I know Michael's really high on Zach Moss with Buffalo. Do you have any words you want to say on him? Well, did, the only thing they did this offseason was bring in TJ Yeldon from um, Jags. the Jags. And he's just been more of your third down pass catching back. So he's not a threat to steal the running uh, attempts from both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. But Zach Moss is a patient runner. He's a guy that I think barring some injury he had in knee injury, he would have been a higher pick. You're talking maybe second round type pick. So they got great value there. Devin Singletary, we've already seen, has had injury issues. I think Zach Moss is one of those players, if you give him a chance to take your job, he's going to steal your girl. <laughs> and so let's move down south to where they steal your girl. We'll go to where Michael's pick is for his sleeper. Yeah, and this one we've not yet seen happen, similar to Zach Moss, and I think similar to Robert's pick too. But Matt Brieta, you know, we forget he got traded from the Niners to the Dolphins, who he steps in with Jordan Howard. We don't quite know how that split's going to go, but Matt Brieta, when he was healthy – one of the quicker running backs in the league, and at times was, was was pretty dang dominant for the Niners there. And I just would love to see Matt Breda, what he can do in Miami as a late kind of a draft pick. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy I think you're, you're going to be able to get pretty late. He's kind of famously been a number two guy that's kind of traveled around the league. And he's always surprised when he's been fit and healthy. And, uh, yeah, I think he could definitely be some value. I mean, somebody's got to take these touches there. And I just think, you know, Kenyon Drake left. We didn't get to see him really ball out at Miami, but now we're seeing it at the Cardinals 
which is why you're seeing a lot of drafts where he's a late round one guy, early round two. And I, I buy that on Kenyon Drake. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but Kenyon Drake to me is a guy that we could have put into our top 10 and I'd have been more than happy with it. So we're talking maybe an 11, 12 guy with top five upside. I'm buying Kenyon Drake. I know we're kind of switching the topic here, but do you buy Kenyon Drake, Robert? I do buy Kenyon Drake. I, I think he's going to be good there. They got the wide receiver core around there, so I think it's really going to open the field up for him. And I think it's a perfect system with Kyler Murray to really allow him to run. And with that, I would just say for your Kenyon Drake owners, maybe get a little share of Chase Edmonds, their backup, or even Eno Benjamin. But late round, if you can get yourself Chase Edmonds late and you are Kenyon Drake owner, you might even want to draft him a little higher to for sure get touches in the the Arizona offense. Rob, why don't you finish up the running back discussion with your sleeper? Yeah, we're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, set records at Wisconsin, Heisman hopeful at times, and all he does is put up 200, 300 yards rushing, and now he's behind the best line in the NFL and the Indianapolis Colts. Again, he's going to put up a ton of yards, I think, when he gets his chances. Only concerns about him is he fumbles the ball. That's the only concerns. I think going in the NFL, he'll get a little more help with that. He'll learn it. As somebody that drafted him at number two in our dynasty league, I'm really trying to talk myself into that. <laughs> but I think he's, or you're trying to trying to fluff up the trade value. Yeah. So some picks and, already. He has a lot of wear on the tires. I'm not going to lie. Yep. But again, if you can get him at the end of your draft, and I think he's going to eventually be the starter for the Colts. I think he's going to put up a ton of yards and touchdowns by the end of the season. Yeah, in redraft leagues, so the one you're going to do year in and year out. He's, he's going to be a guy you're going to get towards the end of your drafts. And I would say he's the type, as a sleeper, you might even want to go around earlier than you might suspect because I think by week three, four, he's getting 50% share with Marlon Mack. Now you have to worry about the fumble issues a little bit because he could get himself off the team or off the starting lineup with the fumbles and just know you're capped with his pass-catching ability so for half PPR for that purpose. And, and I will say this. I think eventually it becomes like what the Chargers had with Eckler. I think Mack becomes more, you know, the third down back that's going to be able to catch the passes. I do think Jonathan Taylor takes over that starting role, and I think it happens quickly once you get into gameplay because he runs the hell out of the ball, he runs people over, and when he gets it, he scores. So would you, John, posing this question to you, let's say Marlon Mack is getting drafted around earlier than than Jonathan Taylor is getting drafted, but both later value running backs. Are you taking Marlon Mack in a redraft league one round before Jonathan Taylor just based on the idea that you could still get full you're still I would say at worst still getting a 50-50 split for most of the season which one would you take would you take a round later Jonathan Taylor yeah I I no I don't th- yeah I think I would take Taylor because I don't think Mac is worth that full round I think maybe if uh, if it was just a couple picks you know um, I think it'd be worth it, but I definitely think Jonathan Taylor will be a bit of a workhorse. And here's what I'll say. If you have Jonathan Taylor, you can take him at the end of the first round. You take, Or not the first round, the end of the draft. You take him if you have strong running backs. Maybe mm-hmm. you picked early in the draft. You'll take a Mac if you want him early in the season, and maybe you missed out on your first couple running backs. Yep. But we're going to move on from running backs. We've talked about them enough, and we're going to move on to the, I mean, showman of the league, and we're going to talk about the wide receivers. We're going to talk about the Divas. We're going to move on in number 10, and it's going to be a second-year player here who made a name as a rookie. We'll let Michael introduce him. Yeah, and I, quickly before I talk about A.J. Brown out of Tennessee, I want to talk quick about the wide receivers as a whole. Now, most of the time in drafts, you're going to see running backs go one, two, three, sometimes even four. So these are the guys that uh, you might see more of in your second and third round, and that you just want to make sure you get based off your team makeup. If you have 
say you get one of these more consistent wide receivers that we'll talk about earlier, you might want to then take one of those flyer guys that you can see down the, down the list that we might have as some of our sleepers. Anyways, yes, yeah, sorry, back to A.J. Brown out of Tennessee. We saw an incredible second half of the season for him once they realized, like, why don't we get the ball into the hands of this elite wide receiver that we have? And as a possession guy, as a slot, slot slant type receiver, I think as long as he gets upwards to, I don't know, 110 targets this season, maybe 70 catches, you're definitely going to get your value as a top 15 wide receiver. I just don't think I would go zero wide receiver and having him be my number one necessarily. And, and I won't disagree with that. I think he's a number two. But I do think you should pay more attention to him because of the offense that the Titans run. I think with the play action that they have, A.J. Brown is perfect for that system. I think they're going to get the ball in his hands a lot, and I think he's going to get a lot of yards after catch, and I think it's going to result in touchdowns. But we're going to skip on from number 10. We're going to get going down the line here. Number nine, and we're going to talk about the team that got the golden boy, the receiver he might look to. Mike Evans with Tampa Bay. John, what do you think about Mike Evans' year? Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a big year for him. Uh, Tom Brady, I don't think maybe has ever had a guy like Mike Evans to throw the ball. Randy, Randy Moss. Moss. <laughs> yes, okay, Randy Moss. But in Mike Evans, I mean, and with, uh, with his running mate Chris Godwin having a breakout season and then the tight end strength they have, I mean, I don't think Mike Evans is ever going to get double teamed. So that this, yeah. And here's my question for you, is with all the talent they, that they have offensively, do you think Mike Evans is going to get the touches and the touchdowns to make him a number one or number two receiver drafted? I would say definitely a number two. Number one, maybe not. I mean, maybe he would prove to have number one numbers, but we're not going to know, I think, till a couple weeks into the season with uh, the new look Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, I can tell you now, even for those people who had shares of Mike Evans in years past, especially last year, he's always still, even though he's every year of his career been a thousand yard receiver, he still has boomer bust games where you're going to have three quarters of your season being good games, but also you're going to have a quarter of your season being disappointed games. And I don't think that changes with Tom Brady because I do think his running mate and Chris Godwin is going to be your consistent guy. That's why we have him ranked a little higher. Mike Evans still your touchdown threat and your threat to go have 150 for two touchdowns. Yep, and we're going to talk about another touchdown threat here at number eight. We're going to talk about Tyler Lockett with the Seattle Seahawks, who's done it a long time and done it very well. Michael? Well, and- Okay, if we're going to have Russell Wilson listed as our number two quarterback, you're going to need one of his wide receivers in this list. And probably the most underrated wide receiver in football and in terms of fantasy has been Tyler Lockett. Now, I traded him away last year, and I immediately regretted it. You know, it's he's a guy that's had some injury issues, so you worry about that a bit, but he plays through a lot of those, and you don't get receivers like him that have the catch percentage that he has. He hauls in almost everything his way, and although he might not get the target shares of some of these guys ahead of him, he goes for double-digit touchdowns, and he gets you close to 1,000 yards every season. Yeah, and when Doug Baldwin left, you kind of wonder what was going to happen, and Tyler Lockett really stepped up, became the guy there. I know they have DK Metcalf. We'll talk about maybe later. But he has been the consistent guy for Russell Wilson. So if we're going to talk about, like you talk about, Russell Wilson being an MVP candidate, it's only right that Tyler Lockett be there. But we're going to talk about another guy, go back to the golden boy here, and who's his other receiver? Chris Godwin, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John, is Chris Godwin deserving of a number seven spot compared to Mike Evans? I definitely I definitely think so. Um, with that breakout year he had, I think he's going to be gunning for more. Um, yeah, not much more to say about Chris Godwin. Pick him as your number one. Go for it. Yeah, I'd have no issue if you're going Chris Godwin as your number one in the second round. If you can go nab a guy like Derrick Henry or something with your first round pick, 
consistency, right? Touches and then going again to Chris Godwin, who's a possession volume machine. Tom Brady made a living throwing to Julian Edelman in the slot. And Tyler or Chris Godwin has emerged as one of the best slot possession wide receivers in football. And I think you're going to see him getting 10 targets a game, seven catches for 80 yards. And right there in a half PPR league, you're talking 13 points. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just when you can find that again, that's without a touchdown upside. And this guy's a double digit touchdown machine too. So you're talking number one value there. If you can get him in the second round. Yeah. And we're going to talk about a guy here at number six that maybe doesn't have the touchdown upside of a superstar that maybe we expect. Julio Jones at number six finally falls out of our number five after all the years. And no one can take away what he does yardage wise, but no one can argue that he has the touchdowns that a superstar should. Is that my, Matt Ryan's fault? Is it Julio's fault? It's Matt Ryan's. But <laughs> Julio Jones, number six, Michael, give us a rundown. Well, I just want to say we're trying to be consistent on the podcast. If we're saying that the Falcons have a down year, yes, they're going to have to be coming back in games and throwing more. But I also would say if your Julio Jones is a top five wide receiver or even top three, you're probably winning some of these close games. So we're just going on the, on the line that the Falcons have a down year. Matt Ryan has a down year. I would love to see Julio Jones get more of those touchdowns because where he sits now, you can get Julio at the end of a first round. And if he can give you that touchdown upside, he's a number one overall, overall wide receiver. So I think later we might talk a little bit about his uh, partner in crime, Calvin Ridley at the Falcons and how, you were going to want to share, I think, of one of these two players in Atlanta. Yeah, and we'll jump to a team here who really disappointed last year for what they were projected. Their number one receiver, we're going to go number five, Amari Cooper. And my only argument to him is through his years in the NFL, he's number one leading in drops, maybe besides Nelson Aguilar. But I'm not going to bring that up too loud. But Amari we Cooper. We can use him back at this point. <laughs> Amari Cooper, I mean. He has a tendency to drop the ball, gets a lot of targets. I think now that he's not going to be double teamed more, I think he's going to have a lot of touches. John, what's your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I, I just actually acquired him in our Dynasty League, so loving me some Mario Even Cooper. better. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely think if we're going to have that Crescott in our top five quarterbacks, I think Cooper's going to have to have another fantastic year there. Okay, and let's talk about dynasties, and we're going to move on here to the Green Bay Packers. The Eagles are next. No, I the, quickly want to talk about Amari Cooper real fast. People might be worried with CeeDee Lamb getting there that some of these targets are going to go CeeDee Lamb's way, but we forget Jason Witten's gone and Randall Cobb's gone. It's about, I want to say, 80, 90 targets that need to go somewhere else. So, yes, CeeDee Lamb is going to get some of those, and they might have the emergence of Blake Jarwin as a tight end, but I think some of those targets are still going to go to Amari Cooper's way. I don't think you're going to see him lose any. He might not gain any, but – I don't think people need to fear as much Amari Cooper losing his targets. Yeah, so let's move on again to Dynasty Talk. We're going to go to the Green Bay Packers, who have wasted two of the top ten greatest quarterbacks of all time. This is a fantasy discussion. But we're going to go on to Devontae Adams here. Again, my argument for Devontae Adams is minus injury, he's always a top five receiver. He gets all of Aaron Rodgers' look, all of his trust, and that means a lot in the NFL when you have a top five quarterback. Oh, we didn't put him in the top five, but a top ten quarterback's trust. Um, Michael, you want to talk about more Devontae Adams? Well, I just traded him away, so I mean, it's you're I really I selling gotta, on I gotta, No, I got to rip the bandit off because I absolutely love Devontae Adams. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. You're in a team where the target share is just like all to Devontae Adams, with people like Devin Funchess no longer there, uh, you, and I, who else did they lose this year too? Geronimo, Geronimo Allison is no longer there. So Jimmy Graham, which is fine. You're relying on either unknowns or unheralded players to to having, you know, Aaron Rodgers' favorite target, Devontae Adams. So get shares of Devontae Adams. I think 
you know, there's only maybe two players, even though we have three ahead of him, only two that I might actually draft ahead of Devontae Adams. And I think only maybe three running backs that I would trust more than Devontae Adams if you're in a half PPR. Yeah, and I'm hoping Jordan Love can play wide receiver this year. It really <laughs> fills out the roster. But we're going to move on to maybe the fastest guy here in the NFL. John, who's the fastest guy in the NFL? He's also got the biggest neck. It's Tyreek Hill <laughs> for the old Chiefs. <laughs> now tell me, why would you take – give me your reasoning for taking Tyreek Hill over Devontae Adams because this is where I kind of differ a little bit. Yeah, this is definitely – I mean, you could do it either way, I think. Um, and, then, of course, with lists, that's their nature. But Tyreek Hill, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be putting up numbers like no other. They might even score more this year. Who knows? But I, I think um, – I mean, you could argue for the Devonta Adams just because Hill's got such competition in that Kansas City locker room. But yeah, I, I think for me, the reason you take the Tyreek Hills is where he is. Your quarterback first, Mahomes. Not that Aaron Rodgers is bad by any means. It's just Patrick Mahomes is that good. He's a bad man. He's a bad man. And I just think Tyreek Hill. How many times have we seen Tyreek Hill get those forty-two point fantasy output, you know, performances? But yes, there's some fives in there and sixes in there. I think it's just. The amount of upside Tyreek Hill carries, I would still go with the consistency of Devontae Adams, unless you can get a guy in later rounds like a Robert Woods, maybe in the fifth or sixth round, and you get a Tyreek Hill at Cooper the end Cup. of the yeah, or and then you get a Tyreek Hill in the end of the first. Again, guys, it's just important don't take two high risk players like Tyreek Hill and Will Fuller. Make sure you get consistency and upside. Yeah, and so here's my argument back towards you with this: is Devontae Adams again? I'm gonna sell Aaron Rodgers on this as a Green Bay Packers fan just because they want to run the ball. They want to set it just like the Titans did, running the ball. That's not Aaron Rodgers' game. Devontae Adams is going to have touchdowns. Here's my argument for Tyreek Hill at three, is you're in an NFL right now where the cornerbacks can't touch the receiver, and you have maybe the fastest guy that's ever been in the NFL, and he's just going to run by people. So if Patrick Mahomes with that arm can reach him, then he's just going to keep putting up numbers. Another guy, we're going to move to number two, that we're expecting to put up big numbers this year. And we really went back and forth two and one here. Number two, DeAndre Hopkins with the Cardinals. Michael? Well, I'll be the one to admit that I, I'm selling on DeAndre Hopkins this year. And it's not like I'm selling on him to be out of the top ten. I just think at the end of the season you're going to see him closer to five, six, seven than you will one, two, three. And the reason behind it, it's, it doesn't have really a ton to do with his talent or Kyler Murray's talent. We're talking Kyler Murray, a top, a top guy. It's. I just think in the spread offense that they run in, in, in Arizona, you get four to sometimes five wide receiver pass catchers on the field at a time, meaning he doesn't have that Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, just always throwing the ball his way. Yes, he's going to see looks. Yes, he's going to be productive. I would still draft him in the first round for sure. I just want to say maybe temper expectations if you're like, why is his targets not 14 this, this game and instead it's only six? But, yeah, it could be six for 100 and a touchdown. So I just temper expectations a bit but still be excited. And, and I'll go the other way with it. You had him as number two. I had him as number one. And I have DeAndre Hopkins because he dealt with Bill O'Brien and that bullshit for so long. But he goes to Kyler Murray, who in the past through to C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma really focused on that number one receiver. And I think the same thing's going to happen when he goes to the Cardinals is when it comes down to crunch time, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get the looks. And that's nothing against our number one guy here who got the looks, broke records, didn't have help. And we're going to let John talk about him. His number one, Michael Thomas with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, Michael Thomas, who is also Michael's 
uh, pick in our dynasty league. Kind of yes, interesting there. But no, I mean, it's tough to argue against Michael Thomas. Still so young. So if you're in a dynasty league, it's just a great, you know, great guy to have. But uh, there's, yeah, there's no reason as long as Drew Brees uh, is in is in uh, New Orleans, there's no reason not to have Thomas as as your number one guy. And one thing, the reason I keep putting him as a number one, obviously there's consistency there. He didn't move teams. There's always the unknown. There's always upside too with moving teams. I'm going to stay with consistency. They added Emmanuel Sanders to that offense, which means you can get some more safety looks off of him. Maybe some of the double teams shift away. What I like most about Michael Thomas is he's the most complete wide receiver in football right now. Yes, he's not the he has the mo- he's not the fastest guy out there like Tyree kills the Julio Jones, but what he is is the maybe the best route runner, maybe has the best hands in football, and he's a touchdown machine too. So what you get, you get the receptions. Obviously, he broke the record for most catches in football. PPR half PPR that's crucial. And he gets the yards and he gets the touchdowns. So the three things that gets you point fantasy. I mean, there's a reason why he finished number one last yeah. year. And for the people that are going to jump down our throats about why is Odell Beckham not in there. Again, a great receiver. I want to see him be healthy for a full season, and I want to see Baker Mayfield step up to the plate and get him the damn ball. So he's deserving of a top 10, top 5, but he just needs to stay healthy for a full year to make an impact. Michael, I want to move on to you, and I want to talk about the guys that can make an impact that maybe we don't know enough about right now. So let's hear your thoughts on those sleepers. Yeah, and I'm – you know, we talked about it a little bit with Atlanta, the situation that they, they're going to throw the ball. Matt Ryan will get close to 4,000 yards like he's done year in and year out, barring injury. So you want shares of that offense. Now, I would prefer, and why Calvin Ridley's my sleeper, I would prefer Calvin Ridley in the fifth round over Julio Jones in the first. And that's just because I believe you can get another, you can maybe get Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, second round and fourth round, and still get a running back at number one and say Russell Wilson at three. And, and as a Calvin Ridley owner here in the last couple of years, I vouch that because he gets the touchdowns that Julio doesn't. So Ridley will put up 20s, 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 and then zero. But you really take that risk on Ridley minus what Julio Jones is putting up for yards. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to put my name on it. And I'm going to – obviously, I'm buying it. I'm going to say that Calvin Ridley is this year's Chris Godwin. The idea that Chris, that Calvin Ridley will be a top five wide receiver in fantasy football is done. I'm going to say number three, and I'm going to say he's double-digit touchdowns and uh, 1,200 yards. That means Matt Ryan's worth a crap. They always <laughs> He throws for 4,000 yards every year. I won't I mean, disagree. You know, they can still win five games, but he's going to chuck the ball a lot. That's just the nature of the beast with Atlanta. I want to just point the names out of Alan Lazard. Um, as, as we talked about with Funches gone and with other receivers leaving, Geronimo Allison, they're, they need somebody to step up there. We saw the trust Aaron Rodgers had in Alan Lazard. I absolutely love Alan Lazard. I was I was preaching about him as a rookie, about how he has the skill set to do what he needs to do. Yeah, quick question for you here. What what do you think uh, makes it uh, Alan Lazard separating from the pack and the other guys the Packers have at receiver? I think the trust, obviously, that Aaron Rodgers has with him. He was somebody Aaron Rodgers worked with ever since he came into the league. So anytime you get Rodgers' trust, and I, I would also just say he's got some more athletic ability than some of just these other big wide receivers have. He's got the size 6'4", 6'5", great catch radius. And I think being able to show in one big-time game, he had what was it, the two-touchdown game, he showed right there that Rodgers' trust in him was well put. And I think that's why Alan Lazard is maybe even uh, – I guess he's going to get drafted. We have enough Packers fans that we know that he's going to get drafted. I'd just get some shares of Alan Lazard. Yeah, and I want to ask you on one more you might have on a team that was getting whacked around with helmets and crap last year. Who's your third sleeper that you think? Well, I would say we've talked about how Pittsburgh in our last episodes, we keep thinking of them as a sleeper team with Ben Roethlisberger having a comeback. 
Every time he's been good and has a fantasy-relevant season, he carries two wide receivers as top 15 guys, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, if he's back to any sort of what he's going to be, then you have to project two guys again being carried as top 20 wide receivers, and that would be Juju and who else? And I'm going to say Deontay Johnson, a guy who actually was last year their best fantasy wide receiver. So watch for Deontay Johnson in your leagues if he starts to fall because the name value is not there. He's going to give you return on your ADP. Watch for the Chase Claypools late. Just get a share of one of the guys. I'll let John take on his sleeper right here. Who do you have, John? Who's your sleeper wide receiver? Yeah, if you thought the other three were sleepers, this one's a real sleeper. Uh, we're going to do Henry Ruggs out of uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And this one was kind of spurred on by the fact that they just lost Tyrell Williams to injury. And so I really think this guy, I mean, he's probably going to go undrafted, I think, in most leagues. So I think he could potentially give you some good value. Again, you got speed. Henry Ruggs, everybody knows he has speed on the field. You would hope that they know how to use him and not just go routes because Derek Carr is not going to get you the ball down the field as much as you would like. Like see last year with uh, Tyrell Williams struggling to get the ball deep because of Derek Carr. I would say Henry Ruggs, as long as they get him right in the screen game and the slant game, I agree as a sleeper pick, as a guy maybe you want to watch for as a waiver wire pickup week one, at value right now because of the injury. Uh, Robert, your sleeper so we can wrap up this wide receiver discussion. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite. He went young. I'm going to go old. Larry Fitzgerald. All he does is catch balls, score touchdowns, and nothing's going to stop that this year where you talk about a more explosive offense. I think you're going to see touchdown production from him. I mean, he hasn't dropped a ball since 99. I don't see that help or happening now. So I think he's a guy you got to look at, you know, mid-round, end of your draft. And I think you're going to be really excited about what he brings off the bench. Yeah, it's like we talked about. They're going to spread that ball around. They're going to carry two good wide receivers in that offense. Larry Fitzgerald could be your last pick of your draft, and you're going to get him as a great bye week player or maybe even a third wide receiver if you carry three wide receiver slots. All right, to move on, we're going to cover tight ends real quick, a group that frustrates fantasy owners year in and year out because you're talking players who it's really hard to separate between your fourth or fifth best tight end and your 10th, 11th best tight end. And a lot of people overpay for these guys and for name values. I want to give you just our top five because it isn't a super deep group. This one's going to be filled with waiver wire pickups in your drafts. So if you see production out of a guy for week one, whether you're using fab money or whether you're using waiver priorities, if a guy has a breakout in week one that you're kind of watching, the maybe the, uh, let's think of a name here, Eric Ebron's maybe or something like that, you're going to maybe want shares of them. Use your waiver wire priority for it week one. We're going to start with number five, though. We're going to stay with the Las Vegas Raiders because of this injury to Tyrell Williams. John, what do you think of Darren Waller as number five? Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely worthy of being a top five. I don't think there's many other people that wouldn't uh, put him in that group. Yeah, I mean, had a great year, still pretty young. Um, with No matter who's throwing to him, Mariota, um, with his limited you know, range down the field, or if it's Derek Carr, you know, it'll just be a repeat of last year. Yeah, I mean, those who had Darren Waller last year, a lot of you probably had a lot of success in your league because he brought top five tight end value as a late pick or even just free agent for most of you. I drafted him with my last pick last year after listening to podcasts and realizing to watch out for players like Darren Waller. I'm going to move to number four because we're just going to – these don't change very much. Zach Ertz comes in at number four. Again, you have the upside of a passing offense that is lacking wide receivers right now in Philly with Marquise Goodwin sitting out, with Alshon Jeffrey being on the pup list. You have Deshaun, Rager, Zacherts, and Goddard. Now, the Eagles have been known to carry two top 10 tight ends. Dallas Goddard sneaks in sometimes as the number as a top 10 guy, and Zacherts will t- carry a top five guy. So don't be afraid as a Zacherts in a second round, potentially third round, if you're, if you're lucky enough, because they can carry that many tight ends. 
Robert, we want to talk about our number three guy with you. Give you your thoughts on why Mark Andrews is coming in over the guy who's done it year in and year out in Zach Ertz. Well, they got rid of Hayden Hurst with Baltimore, so Mark Andrews is the guy now in Baltimore. And I think he has the trust of Lamar Jackson to really put up the touchdowns and yards that Hayden Hurst had before. He's going to get a lot of looks. What we talked about before with Baltimore, they have a really weak schedule this year. So I think Mark Andrews is going to run wild this year as a tight end and really compete with our number two and number one guy. To me, it's the touchdown upside Mark Andrews possesses over Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has always been a catch and yardage guy. Dallas Goddard had stole some of that touchdown production. Mark Andrews can give you both of that in one player. I do like that Mark Andrews now is creeping into that number three guy. Last year, he was kind of the George Kittle of the year prior. So we'll be interested to see who the new George Kittle, Mark Andrews guy is. Yeah, and he's kind of the silent assassin. You don't hear about him every week because he's not as loud as Kelsey and Kittle. But all he does is put up yards, put up touchdowns. I go on a limb and saying Mark Andrews is worth, is, is worth a second-round pick. Like, if you're in a late second round and your guys of the top, our top two guys are gone, I would have no problem taking Mark Andrews if you want to really invest in that tight end spot. Yeah, and our top two guys got paid this year. Yes, they did. And so number two, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chief, Travis Kelsey. John, give us a rundown on Kelsey. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be another great year for the guy as long as he can, you know, maybe not keep uh, worrying about his girlfriends. I know he's got a talk show on, was it MTV or dating show or something? Yeah. Anyways, but yeah. Stick to football. Right? Yeah, stick to football. But uh, no, he's going to be great. More threats, you know, the whole run it back that they're doing. And, Michael, I have a question for you on Travis Kelsey. Does age start to catch up with Travis Kelsey at the tight end position? I know they can do it for a long time. You look at Hall of Famers that have gone, but he's not George Kittle. He's yeah. not Mark Andrews. Can he do it again this year? Yeah, because and, and even though we have Kittle as our number one guy that we'll talk about here, one of the differences is Travis Kelsey doesn't block. George Kittle carries as a number one tight end value while also blocking, which is phenomenal. Travis Kelsey is just used in passing situations and doesn't really have to worry about blocking. So he's going to hold up better because he's not in the trenches, getting hit by defensive linemen, linebackers, running backs into the back of you, and always bet on Andy Reid. Andy Reid carried Brent Selleck years probably longer than he should have for a while there. Um, I just think Andy Reid will put him in the best positions to make sure that even if he becomes – uh, a tight end at 30, 31, 32, 33, he will always carry top five value. So let's move on to be a WWE podcast here. And our number one guy that you talked about <laughs> is George Kittle. And John, give us a rundown on George Kittle. George Kittle, yeah, I mean, kind of came out of, a little bit out of nowhere. I don't think he was drafted very high, um, San Francisco, but slowly over the years, you know, through them getting Kyle Shanahan, they've been building a program. And George Kittle's really been at the center of that. They've had kind of you know discrepancies, weakness maybe at receiver. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of been the all-around tight end that you're looking for. Like you say, he blocks, he knocks people on their ass, he get open, catch the ball, and he's become the number one target minus Debo or Debo Sam or Samuel for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not very often you can talk about a tight end being the lifeblood of your team. Tony Gonzalez was like that for years, and. It's what it is. They play to George Kittle's energy level. They play to his production. If George Kittle has a bad game, you're probably going to guess the Niners didn't win unless he was just an inline blocker the entire game and, it, and it, they won running. I would say George Kittle and Travis Kelsey are the two guys you can invest a late round one value in if you if you want to go tight end first. Otherwise, all these, you know, our, our top four guys for sure could be second round picks. 
I'd say George Kittle is the only one I would do in the first round. Yeah, so if you don't want to waste any early picks on tight ends, just not sure really how things are going to shape out, John, who's a sleeper pick that they can kind of look for? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sticking with my little favoritism here for the Buffalo Bills. I'm going Dawson Knox. You know, they especially with Josh Allen, maybe he's not having accuracy down the field. He's going to, I think, turn to having the short game, and Dawson Knox, I think, can do it. Is this the first Buffalo player that we have on this list? No. Who do we have on Zach Moss? Zach Moss. Zach Moss, Zach Moss. Sleeper, so yeah. all sleepers so far. Yep, Michael, what yep. do you think of Dawson Knox? I mean, Dawson Knox, coming out of Old Miss, didn't play a ton, but was had an incredible athletic profile. And we saw flashes of it last year. I remember telling people, like, Dawson Knox could be a guy we're talking in a few years as one of these more athletic tight ends that stretch the field. And I think it's just a matter of time before Josh Allen finds his uh, safety blanket. And I know with the addition of Diggs, and you still have Cole Beasley in the slot, and you still have John Brown on the outside – that middle of the field should be wide open, and I just hope Dawson Knox can take advantage of that. I don't know if you have to draft Dawson Knox, but if you get a guy, let's say you get one of these top guys, go pick up Dawson Knox or get use your late pick on him as a backup just in case. That way you're not super frustrated if Travis Kelsey's out a few weeks with injury. So, Michael, who's your safety blanket that you either take in the end of the draft or you pick up? So I tried to find a guy that you're actually going to draft, and that's Jonu Smith. Now, I had to kind of – to explain to some people who he was because Delaney Walker had been in the Titans for so long that he kind of just got pushed aside because Delaney Walker was so consistent. When Jonu Smith got in onto the field, he was, he absolutely showed out. People loved him every time he was a waiver wire darling. Anytime um, that Delaney Walker was out. And I would just have to say, if you can get Jonu Smith with one of your last picks, maybe do it for your kickers and your tight ends or a backup quarterback. I prefer the value of Jonu Smith at the end of my drafts, middle to end of my drafts, over George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, unless one of those guys really falls. Load up on maybe two of these sleepers at the end of your draft. Maybe draft Jonu Smith in the 12th, pick up Dawson Knox. I think the value is there. I saw a ridiculous stat where Jonu Smith is like number three in the league out of tight ends with broken tackles over guys like George Kittle, like Mark Andrews, and he's done it on half of the touches. So I, I just this guy has so much athletic potential, incredible catchability. I just I can't wait for what could be Jonu Smith being this year's Darren Waller. Robert, your thoughts on Jonu Smith, maybe, but then who is your sleeper? I think we might have touched on him a little bit earlier. Yeah, Jonu Smith. I mean, he's really going to take a step ahead this year. I think anybody that kind of watches closely to the NFL knows the name, just not really sure on what he's capable of. But there's been times last year where I mean. He puts up the numbers. He runs people over. And I think it's going to translate this year where he becomes the guy at that position. And especially in that offense where they're running more bootleg stuff, he's really going to get the looks. I'm going to move on to a guy that's really got looks around in a bunch of different cities in the NFL. I mean, Detroit, Indianapolis. Now he's in Pittsburgh, and it's Eric Ebron. He was a a first-round pick back in the day with Detroit. They had to move on from him. He scored some touchdowns there with Indianapolis. Things were looking like it might work. Moves on to Pittsburgh. Big Ben comes back. He likes tight ends. I think Eric Ebron is going to be the breakout guy this year. I think he's going to compete for tight end touchdowns with Kelsey and Kittle. He may not have the yards that those guys do, but he's going to have the touchdowns and the fantasy value that you look for. Are you, and I'm going to ask both of you this, are you buying or selling Eric Ebron double-digit touchdowns? Buying. Now, what makes it interesting is last year, for, for a while there, I think people had 
uh, Vance McDonald going yep. pretty high. Now, do you think that will affect Eric Ebron's usage at all? I asked you a question first. Oh. Buy or sell? Double-digit touchdowns. Sell. Okay. I, and I think I think Eric Ebron will get the looks. Okay. I know there's trust with Vance McDonald there. I think the age plays a difference there, and I think that kind of moves its way out. I think Eric Ebron is such a big guy and such a force in the red zone and knows how to get open that Big Ben will be looking for him when it comes time. Well, and we saw some really cool moments out of Vance McDonald, you know, just destroying people down the field. But Vance McDonald is more of a blocker than a pass-catching tight end, I would say, or not nearly to the level that Eric Ebron is. Now, Eric Ebron's, a, you know, slot him out, put him in the slot, stretch him out a little bit. And to me, that is why he's going to get those looks in the red zone. And I think, like we said, there's targets to go around at the Steelers and somebody's going to be a beneficiary. I want shares in pieces of that offense. Yeah, and so we're going to do a rundown quick of our defenses since we're talking about the Steelers. And we have them at number three slipping in. And we think they're going to be a breakout team this year when it comes in terms to defenses. And they're just a young, fast team. Michael, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to first bring the attention to the idea that defenses should not be drafted as high as most people do. Mm -hmm. Now it's something that you just learn over time to not get too super excited and mm -hmm. say, you know, years past, Oh, I didn't get the bears defense, you know, like last year. Don't what, be sucked into it by yeah. everybody else in your league. Well, what happened last year? If you would have been the, the guy that took the bears defense four rounds earlier than you should have. Or me like the Cleveland one. I prefer, and this is just me to use my last two picks really on defense and kickers, unless there's one still around you want to reach for. And I, I, so some might fill into this list, but I know for me, I, I don't know, Robert, who would you put at number three for our defense? It was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. And so we're really excited about what the Steelers can do this year. We're talking offensively, there's potential, but defensively last year, they were part of the reason why I won a fantasy league. I picked them up in a waiver wire and Micah they, Fitzpatrick came to the team. Yeah. Fitzpatrick was, was a godsend to him, but most people don't know this. They led the NFL in sacks last year. Mm -hmm. They didn't lose anybody in that regard. Uh, they la they did lose Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle. They got another Watt brother. But what they've done is they've solidified the fact that they are a, a force to be reckoned with in a young defense. So I'd say they're one of those defenses that, you know, people might jump on our top two guys or even the Bears or Patriots because the name value, get them a little late. Yeah, and a force to be reckoned with we're going to talk about here at number two. There's a little hype behind them because of a Super Bowl run. John, give us the rundown on the San Francisco 49ers that we have at two. Yeah, I mean, they've had a bit of, of movement in the losing some some players, but also reinforcing. So really kind of a zero-sum game. Uh, this year, a lot of people are going to be coming for him, but strong division also. But I definitely think it's going to be just a massive year for him. I mean, Bosa, got, Bosa did well, you know, rookie of the year. Yeah. yeah, and my only concern there is the secondary. It depends on what they do there. I mean, they're getting a little bit older at secondary. It's Richard Sherman. They talked about maybe Earl Thomas, who got let go by the Ravens. Does he go fill that need in there? Michael, what are your thoughts on the yeah, Niners? Please don't get suckered into drafting the Niners really early. If they're around in your later rounds and nobody's taking them, go do it. But somebody in your league is going to draft the, the Niners and the Bears you know, a lot earlier than they should. And you shouldn't be heartbroken by that because, to me, our number one team, the Baltimore Ravens, I would rather have shares of them because they're scheduled. The Niners are going to be playing – at least you know six games against other good offenses and i just i don't want to have to rely on that week to week whereas baltimore ravens at number one easiest schedule in the nfl pretty easy division minus these two Steeler games we're going to see but they have a fast defense they drafted patrick queen they bring in Calais campbell they still have a great secondary even with the loss of earl thomas your thoughts robert yeah and i think again it's all based on schedule 
Last year took the Patriots. They've always been a great defense, but it's all based on what the schedule is year in and year out. Ravens by far have the easiest schedule this year, especially based on their talent level. And so I think you take them, play them every week, and just let the season play itself out. Pick pick up a second defense whenever they play a tough game and you want to switch them out for maybe a different schedule. But the Ravens are always going to be consistent just based on their schedule. I want to give one of my tips here for fantasy football, and it comes to defenses. When you're looking to draft a defense, go in and look to see who they're playing in the playoffs and who they're going to be playing in if you make the finals. Wait, usually week 16, some are week 15 of the finals. Look to see who that three-game stretch is. Please don't go get a three-game stretch against the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Saints. Make sure it's those teams like the Jets, the Bengals, the Jags, the Raiders. It's one of those lowly teams that you, if you do get to that point and they're already a good defense, they're playing teams that should be positive uh, for you in the playoffs. Yeah, and I've always been somebody that's dropped defenses, picked them up just based off of matchups. And again, like you talk about end of the season schedule, I've done the same thing with quarterbacks. I have one sleeper pick that I want to throw out there, and I think defensively you'll be able to pick them up, is the Seattle Seahawks. Depending on what happens trade-wise and who they sign, they could sign Jadavion Clowney. They could trade for Yannick Yannick Ngakwe. So I think there's a lot of potential there for sacks in that division where the Niners have really run it defensively. I think that Seattle Seahawks team can really come back with the signing of Jamal Adams as well. When John and I are going to team up here on our sleeper pick, because it's kind of two of them, really. We talked about the Buffalo Bills last year as a sleeper pick defense. I drafted them as my last defensive pick. And again, ended up going to the Steelers instead, dropping the Bills. But again, they haven't lost anything. They gained A.J. Epineza. They should be able to re- re- come back as one of these sleeper picks for us. I know you're excited about them as well. But our real, real sleeper this year is your Los Angeles Chargers. So talk to us briefly about the Chargers. You know, they have the addition of Chris Harris. Denzel James is back, or Derwin James is back. Mm-hmm. They still have Casey Hayward, Nick or Joey Bosa, Melvin, Melvin Ingram. Ingram. They yep. drafted Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Murray in the first round. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Bosa did tremendously. He's got paid, huge yep. contract. And like you said, and a lot of these guys, Ingram, Hayward, you know, kind of getting towards the end of their, you know, not necessarily careers, but like, you know, they're in their primes this year. So a lot of them are going to be playing. And although you do have to play the Chiefs twice a year, you do still get the benefit of two Raiders games and two Denver games. And then this is where maybe you pick up a second defense, a Bills undrafted, and you have them in the reserves to make sure that they can go play against those two Chiefs games. Yeah, and I want to toss out one more team we weren't going to talk about. But I want to talk about the Dolphins. We've talked about the Dolphins here, that they're probably a year or two away. But with the defensive coordinator, they've been getting better defensively. they got a lot of cornerbacks. And you talk about a weak division again. Yeah, the Bills run the division. The Jets are bad. We don't know what the Patriots are going to be. I really think that's a team that you maybe look at three, four weeks in and go, how are they putting up the points they're putting up? I think it's interceptions. I think it's sacks. I think it's low-scoring games that they barely squeeze out. But there's teams like that that you can find. So don't go wasting your picks on the 49ers, on the Bears early, just because of the hype that all your shows are showing you. You can really find value later on in picking people up after the season starts. Yeah, and all we want to do here with kickers now, because we've done defense and special teams, with kickers we just want to give you the top three kickers because these are the only guys that we really could see where maybe you consider taking them a little bit earlier than with just the last pick. And, and number three, I'm going to say Harrison Butker, mainly just because of the sheer volume of attempts. How often do we see the, the Chiefs in at least on, on the other side of the field for field goal range? 
Harrison Bucker, it's a no-brainer. He can kick him long. He can kick him accurate. He should be – he is worth a pick earlier round than maybe you would expect. Yeah, and, and, and it always comes to kickers on what the volume of the team is everywhere else. I mean, not dependent on exactly what they can do. But if you have somebody like these three guys, maybe you take them a little bit earlier if you feel like you have a pretty good team because it really adds up to points at the end of the year. Number two, we're going to move on. Michael? Yeah, Greg Zorlin. You know, we have a guy who was at the Rams in year for two straight years was a was a, was an absolute star um, in leading fantasy and kicking. He got the move to Dallas late last year. Last year, and again, it's just all about how much that team's going to be able to move the ball. But they also struggle at times to get into the end zone. So you want those kickers who are going to be on the other side of the field, but a team that struggles in the red zone. And so we're going to move on to number one. I don't know if he's the greatest kicker of all time. But he's making your career. Venetari's still in the league, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> but he's making a career. He has memorable moments. <laughs> a guy that's moving on to be maybe the greatest kicker of all time, and it's Justin Tucker with the Baltimore Ravens. Again, you got a team that puts up a high volume rate with Lamar Jackson there, and a guy that just kicks the piss out of the ball. Yep. And accurate. Yep. I mean, 50-some yards to him are automatic, nothing. And it's a guy that you take very early in your draft if you feel like you have a solid team and he'll put up points for you week in and week out. Michael, you know Justin Tucker more than anybody. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can beat Nebraska with a field goal to win a game, I mean, you're you're just a hero for me. So, uh, obviously, as a, as a Longhorns fan, I've just been following Tucker for years, and he's one of my favorite players in the NFL as a whole, not just favorite kickers. Really, really good dude, great for the community in Baltimore, but just an absolute boss of a kicker. So again, I might draft him in my 13th round or something, you know, if he goes, yeah, I'm always like bummed that I don't get him, but I'll go for the, the young Hoku's at the, my last pick. If I need two players like that, I just, you know, kickers, they do add up points at the end, but don't get carried away with drafting them early, just like defenses. Yeah. And so Michael gave a tip a little bit earlier. I want to give a tip here for your fantasy drafts. You always have a game plan set out for, this is what I want to do. This is who I'm going to get. And you're excited. And then the draft starts, and it's panic time. Things don't play out the way you want. You go, oh, I'm going to take this guy way too early. Just calm down and take a breath and take the smart pick every time. It may not be the sexy pick. It may not be, you know, everybody's going to talk about this is the team they have. Always take the smart pick and look at what your team is and what you want it to be and just make pick after pick without panic. John, any tips for these listeners? Yeah, I mean, if you need receivers and you want to win a Super Bowl, don't take a backup quarterback, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> You're not you wouldn't take a kicker first round? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> my my final tip, and it's just hopefully for those of you that are gonna be drafting here soon, you do it already. And if not, you know, obviously do mock drafts. I can't stress that enough. If you're if you're on ESPN using it or NFL or there's just a bunch of mock draft databases out of there, you can either do just your pick or you can do the entire draft. And if you do that, you most likely know the people in your league well enough that you can start to do some of those picks and see how you're going to fall out. If you're in a 12-team, 10-team, 14-8, PPR, half PPR, it doesn't matter. Go through and, and try to see what players are falling to you at where. These guys with higher name values, the Adrian Petersons or so, maybe draft them a little bit higher so you can see what's there for you then because named players are going to go a little earlier. Please just go do mock drafts. I promise you it's going to bode well better for you in the end. Yeah, and and in our experience, the first year we ever ran one, please don't take a retired safety and fullback in your first two rounds. We've had this experience with a friend. I just wouldn't recommend it. It doesn't play out well. 
But we appreciate you guys listening. Michael. Yeah, I just have fun with fantasy football. It's one of the best things that you can do with people, with family. Get people involved. Get your family involved. And just don't quit on the season. There's times you might start two and or one and four, but that other people will start to not care about their lineups or forget weeks. Those are easy weeks for you to pick up. Pretty soon you're back to the playoff race. Just have fun with the stay. And, with and who knows how long the league lasts this year? It could be one, two, three weeks. I mean, with, with all the things going on, civil rights-wise, I mean, with the coronavirus, we're really looking to have fun, bring some enjoyment back between friends and families, and be able to watch on Sundays. So really appreciate the time you have because it may not be there the next week. Yep. I just take take solace in the fact that football is going to be here in less than two weeks. and 14 we're, we're days all, from recording. Two weeks, yeah. So we're all really excited for it. Um, reach out, please, if you have questions on who to start each week or, or who should you draft or, or questions between players. Uh, we'll be happy. You know, I'll make sure we're on to make sure we're answering these questions for you the best we can. Unbiased, objective opinions. <laughs> and we also wanted to point out to our Pick'em League. On ESPN, we have the Quicker Than Fast podcast Pick'em League. Um, we can put a link with our episode drop on Facebook. It's just Quicker Than Fast podcast. You can find it on your ESPN Pick'em Leagues. You can join the group. It's open. Yeah, all we're doing, it's for free, of course. All we're doing is you just pick games every week or who you think is going to win those games. Um, and if we get enough people, maybe next year we look at making this more of an event. Um, and, again, thank you for listening. We're going to keep bringing out fantasy football episodes to you. Um, hopefully, you know, we, get, we, we can get more out. If you want more tips, let us know. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. As always, keep it sleazy. We're out. Well, you got to do